This is Wine, Women, and Revolution with your host, Heather Warburton. Hi, and welcome to Wine, Women, and Revolution. I'm your host, Heather Warburton, and I have three of the most amazing women tonight that I just want to get right into this discussion. This is going to be a panel about race in America, about police violence, about how white people are stupid and call the cops on black people that are just trying to live their lives, you know, and all of that kind of stuff and what we can do to be better allies. So uh, let's start. uh, We'll start with Siobhan. Go around the room, introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about you. Oh, I'm Siobhan. I'm not giving out my last name for security reasons, Um, but um, I'm with BLM New Jersey. Um, I've been doing activist work for for a while now, so that's about it for about me. That's all people need to know for right now. All right. How about you, uh, Sh- Shana? Okay. My name is Shana. <laughs> I'm with BLM New Jersey, and I'm also a student organizer. All right. Thank you for being on the show. And finally, Jennifer? I'm Jennifer. No one ever has to tell me to speak up. <laughs> I have <laughs> the biggest mouth ever. I am a BLM organizer and um, I work with several other organizations. I have a nonprofit park also. I also have a nonprofit in Trent. Well, me and three other amazing black Yay. women that you need to meet as well. But that's where the pocket. All right, so I had originally reached out to Siobhan to talk about the shooting that had happened, uh, was it like a couple weeks ago now, in Vineland, uh, that there was, uh, Rashawn Washington was his name, and he was shot three times by police, and then they maced him and then sick the police dogs on him. While in handcuffs. While in handcuffs, right. And I had seen Siobhan had been speaking at a vigil there, so I really wanted to get you to come on and you know, give me the details and what people can do to get involved, how they can help, what can they do, I guess, if they wanted to do something, if they're outraged by this, that it keeps happening. Um, One thing is really simple, like stop calling the cops. All this stemmed from somebody calling the cops because they thought that he was where he shouldn't be. Um, As far as with this, um, you need to share within your social media page, share with the media, because small towns like these, the cops go crazy and they feel they can get away with it because they don't get that media attention. Like if something happened in Camden, if something happened in Newark, something happened in New York City, it's all over the news. But if something happens in Violent or like Lashana in Deptford, you hear, barely hear anything about it. So I think one thing that... Um, one, I will say, I don't want allies. Fuck allies. I want co-conspirators, for one. Because allies are like, yes, I would love to march with you, but like, I got yoga, so I can't really do it. Can you do it as, like, for me? It's not easy for me for that. Sorry. I know you're oppressed and everything, but I have hot yoga. Yeah, don't give no half-ass allyship. Either you're going to be all the way in with this shit, or you just not. Because, like... Black people dying. We don't got time for you to like yeah. come around, feel you know, feel your way, get your feet wet with activism. You know what I'm saying? Like this is not another chance for you to like experience something new because real lives are at stake. So like 
don't waste black people's time by centering yourselves because that's what white people tend to do when they get around black people. Like you say you want to help out, you know, you want to educate yourselves and things like that, but then you come around and just make shit everything about you. So it's just like, that's why Siobhan is like, fuck allies, and I'm with her because you yeah, fuck that. Like, is say that. So the person, the person that I was just talking about, right, is, is a co-conspirator, right? I just got an inbox from a person who works for the police station and was like, these are the things that the police are doing and how do I help fix this problem because I know that it's real, right? This is a this is something that 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 black people have been complaining about forever. We know that it's not legal. I can prove that the police are doing it because I'm a dispatcher and they're asking me to do it. <laughs> How can I help you fix the problem? Now I didn't expect that. So I don't know right away. <laughs> but I know that I'm gonna organize around it. I know that I'm gonna try to free my people. I'm going to use the information to free my people. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I got the information. I looked at Shana like, okay, what do we do? I don't know. But we got this. Who expected that? But I'm going to do something. Right? And I'm and I'm not going to drag my co-conspirator in through the mud, right? I'm not going to I'm not going to throw them under the bus, right? Because because that's what an ally looks like. And I'm not going to destroy that relationship because that's what it's supposed to be. That's what I need. That's what we're asking for. Because that, we would never get that information. I would never be privy yeah. to that information yeah. if it weren't for a white person that was that 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 is privy to that information that was willing to give it to someone who would use it to free our people. Yeah, it's definitely powerful. And I believe the cop that was in Vineland had had issues before as well. He was involved, the canine officer, he was actually involved in another uh, murder of Philip White, another uh, unarmed black person. So um, as of right now, um, of course, they're on paid vacation. And um, we believe that the canine cop is still on duty. And violent. Um, even at the vigil, they try to they try to have a intimidating presence there. They try to make sure they were known, and even had their punk ass chaplain try to come in there. So, um, yeah. So this stuff is really it's real, and it affects people daily. And this things this thing like white people need to understand is just because it doesn't affect you personally doesn't mean it does not happen. Yeah. And just because it doesn't affect uh, your so-called black friend doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Understand that there's class differences amongst black people. There's ideological differences amongst black people. Like, we are all different. We're not the same. So, like, even your little black friend, you know, just because they don't understand that they exist in an inherently radical body doesn't mean that, like, you know, you're not racist and that they're not anti-black. Like, that's, that's just reality. <laughs> you know something, Shana, that you wanted to say? Speak on it, sis. <laughs> but um, I would, I would do want to bring attention to um, an issue about the shooting in Deptford for Lashonda, and that's another thing that co-conspirators, as well as 
um, other black folks that's fighting for liberation to show up for LaShonda too. That is, they're so easy to be riled up for black men and be all on the streets for meat mills, but nobody want to show up for black women. Yeah, I actually am not at all familiar with the depth for the LaShonda case at all. So um, you want to take a minute and explain that for people that haven't heard it? Um, the case with LaShonda was um, actually you can have you can hear the 911 call that's it's posted on YouTube. Um, they were they were allegedly um, shoplifted for the marshals in Deptford. The security guard that worked at Marshalls called 911 and said they were shoplifting and then had the nerve, the audacity to tell the 911 operator that they had a warrant for manslaughter. How did he get this information? How does he know? And then you can hear the scuffling and then the shot afterwards. Um, The one that shot LaShonda in the head wasn't even the officer that claimed that she was trying to run him over with a vehicle. Wow. And and this is another thing that um, that caused her, her death. Like if I had my way, the guy, the gentleman that I ain't gonna say gentleman because it's punk ass. The one that called the cops on her, he needed to be charged too because he put that narrative that they were killers in the in these officers' minds. So they came in there with the thinking that these people committed some manslaughter. They, they took somebody's life, so they're gonna be higher at a higher alert than any other time. But because a lot of times these um, Officers, they're taught to look at our skin as a weapon. That we're more dangerous and we're we're more volatile. But um, if that was the case, then how come everybody isn't um, colonized by countries in Africa? Right. Yeah, most of the atrocities have been committed by people that look like me <laughs> and Christians. So yeah, I, I, I like to, that's what I want to know. Um, they actually hit. They um, held the body of Lashonda because she um, she is Muslim, and she was denied a proper Muslim burial because of it. Right, they held her body. Um, but I will paste um, post it on Facebook. I'll post it in the Black Lives Matter New Jersey page. Um, so when they have, the family has another vigil, like I, will, I expect people to show up. Yeah, if you send that to us, we'll post the information too. you know, send anything that you want posted or signal boosted and we'll make sure we get that posted too to spread the word. Um, You know, that's part of what as a media outlet we need to be doing is making sure that that's seen as far and wide as possible. Yeah, and I blame the media too for that. Oh, yeah, the media does not help these situations at all that, you know, I think it's just something that almost pe- white people are indoctrinated to that you see, oh, the black faces of, you know, if you see a criminal on TV, you know, it's like they're indoctrinating you to be afraid of people. And we see what happens. This is the outcome of it. It's, people it's, not, it's, not, it's not even just the media or like the TV shows. It's the, like the news outlets. First thing they want to do is justify why they were murdered. They want to go into their past. They want to bring up their old mugshots. But then... You know, the always, officer that actually murder people. Oh, go ahead, sis. And always present from the perspective of the police as like, you know, the people who are coming to aid a situation where really they always escalate situations. But go ahead, Sean. Yeah. Just like they want to they wanna humanize these officers and all this other bullshit. But Sean had two kids. Rashawn had a family. LaShonda had a family. Jerome Reed had a family. Dante Hathaway, thank God he survived. But there's another issue that's in Bayside Prison. Like him being assaulted in the prison by COs, they have families. 
Yes. And they want to go home to their families. They want to kiss their kids. Now, they want to talk about Blue Lives Matter and all this other bullshit. What about Sean's 12-year-old? Yeah. How is he? How are they going to understand that their daddy's not coming home no more? Marshall um, Zamora's son. Exactly. Marshall Zamora, exactly. And blue lives are not a thing. It's no. not. They did show up at the last protest, though. I can't, I can't say that enough times. I can't say enough times that blue lives are not a thing. If you could take the shit off at the end of the day, it's not your life. I can't take my black off at the end of the day. My black stays on when I'm sleeping. It's on after I get out the shower. It's on when I go outside. My black is on all the time. I'm always threatening to other people. I'm inherently dangerous when I step outside because that's the narrative that's put on every time I I move, every time I breathe. I am an angry black woman every time I open my mouth and I can't take it off. There's absolutely nothing I can do about it. You take your uniform off and become a human. I can never take this uniform off. There are no such thing as blue lives. And I will burn every flag I see. Yes. My natural life. There are no fucking blue lives. Oh, I wouldn't want to put out another thing that co-conspirators can do. Um, one, stop gentrifying our neighborhoods. That'll be great. Thank you. Um, and two, if you are, if you are a gentrifier or alleged gentrifier, we all know what it is. Uh, but if you're coming into our neighborhoods, and this this comes full circle to stop calling the cops on us. If you oh see four black people standing on the corner, and you're like, oh my God, it's something different. No, that's normal to us. They're hanging out, minding their own damn business, which you should. So I was, I suggest that if they're really going to um, be co-conspirators, and given, like, I know the situation with class and classism and all that, but at the same time, stop gentrifying our areas and stop making it dangerous for us to live in our own neighborhoods. That's one thing that they could do. And matter that, collect your aunties, collect your uncles, collect your racist ass grandmas because I'm tired. I don't have all day. The time I'm taking to educate y'all could have been spent helping a family. The time I'm spending going back and forth because I don't get it. Teach me. At first, I don't teach for free. No, you pay for higher education. This is higher education. So yes, you will come. Either will barter or you will pay for it because it does end up helping you in the long run and to be a less shittier person. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's real. That's so real. And honestly, mm-hmm. honestly, I do a lot of the education that I do for free. And the way that I think of it is that I'm I'm liberating black people. <laughs> That's that's the way that I think of it. I think of it that that I'm doing work for black yeah. people, and only because the city that I live in is, I think we're in like fifth or sixth stage gentrification right now. So yeah. speaking to uh, Siobhan's point of um, gentrification, right, and yeah. using the police. Like, I would do for free, but the way my bank account is set up, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, speaking to gentrification and using the police as a tool in gentrification, um, there are, it's not even just the police, right? It's, um, have you guys heard of Nextdoor? No. So Nextdoor is an app 
that is like a oh, Facebook. Tells you who's living next it's no, it's it's that. like a Facebook. It's a social media app that's like a Facebook for just your neighborhood. And it is a specifically super white thing that white people use mm-hmm. to move into a neighborhood. So mm-hmm. next door, Asbury Park, because that's my community. Mm-hmm. Next door, Asbury Park, when the white people started to move in, because the community was 70% Black and Latino, when or Latinx, mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of this gentrification process, um, they moved in, they got their little next door app and started communicating amongst themselves without anyone that was and as anyone else anytime white people anytime white people congregate right. to talk about black people without the presence of black people that shit is dangerous, dangerous as hell which was already happening in city council right exactly. it was already happening exactly. at the police station it was already happening in all of their spaces that we weren't welcome in but next door is a tool of gentrification I call it the gentrification Facebook yeah but yes, I went on the app because I'm curious. I want to know what are y'all talking about. So as soon as I found out about it, I got myself a little profile, and I went on there. And there's literally um, I have screenshots of a conversation about a kid that stole a bike. They have pictures of the kid, a Latin, a Latinx kid that stole a bike, and they took pictures of the kid and followed the kid to his house on the bike, called the police at his house instead of knocking on the door and talking to his mother. This kid is, I don't know, 15, 16. Called the police, told the police that he had a knife, so he got locked up for a felony now instead of just the bike theft (laughs) and taken away from his family. In the interim, his mother is not documented and now gets deported, and he goes into um, whatever those baby jails that they have yeah so the juvenile <laughs> the juvenile i can't even i don't even what is the name of them those the baby jails centers. they're baby jails the detention center yeah right so he goes to a detention center his mother so calling the police is not a regular thing right when you call the police on people of color in general right in my community it's haitian people it's mm-hmm. latin people it's black people you're not just calling the police you're calling dyphus you're yes. calling yes. you're calling ice you're yes. calling all different kinds of authorities that completely destroy com- whole entire families right you're not but they know they know that when they call it though they know exactly what they're doing when they call. Exactly, and that's when it becomes, that's when it goes from an act of individual racism to, like, systemic racism right. because all those structures and institutions are connected to each other. So, like, when you, that's why the policing as an institution is problematic because when you interact with this one institution, all these other institutions now, like... Right. destroy your life right. you've destroyed an entire family yeah. their livelihood their ability to see each other again and when I st- tried to have that conversation with this group of people who attacked this family in my view mm-hmm. attacked an entire family they still wanted to talk about the bike and how he was wrong for stealing the bike Right? I'm not saying that he was correct for stealing the bike I'm saying that there are other Wait, ways to deal with, to deal with stealing steals my bike and I'm at his house where his mama is. I knock on the door and talk to his mama. Yeah. Right? There's other ways to deal with everything. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk to his mama? Because nine times out of ten she gonna whoop his ass because mm-hmm. he has put his family in danger of 
coming in contact with ice and going to detention centers, right? So she knows what the consequences are and he's going to get consequences because of that. So let her handle that instead of bringing all of these systemic problems. But they still talk about the bike as if these systemic issues are not an issue. And I think that there's a disconnect when it comes to white people of what those systemic issues do inside of a household of color. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I feel like there's a disconnect also with white people with like their understanding of extreme instances of violence where you should intervene and and then just like something that is just not your business. Right. Because it's like, I feel like white people just feel like everything is an extreme emergency all the time and this is my business. <laughs> my duty as an American to call the cops and make sure that that bike is safe because that's the person because that's really it was like, a very expensive bike like I have a relationship with my boy. bike we gotta make sure that that bike is fine somebody need their bike like, well, right and they have they have this very special relationship with their bike and their bike is representation of freedom they have all of these things <laughs> about a fucking bike like I don't understand what the fuck like do you even mm-hmm. understand Things are more important than people in this society. And that is the root of this issue. Because at a point in time, and today, there's a legacy of one group of people, Black people, (laughs) not being people, but things. And it's replicated every single day in, like, this bike situation. Right. That thing is more important than this person because this person can't do shit for me and this person was like, he ain't shit. I really right. just feel like that's subconsciously what white people are thinking. They will never say this, will never verbalize this out of fear being called racist, you know. <laughs> but, you know, like your actions speak louder than words and actions are indicators of what you think and what you think is based off of what you know and what you believe, you know, and if you believe that like these things are more valuable than these lives that you're affecting, then you will continue to act like that. And you'll continue to put people in danger simply because you like subconsciously, you know, inadvertently just don't care. But you don't care because you don't know. Because white comfort is in yes. fact more important than black lives. Yes. Yes. How about we do it like this? Like, That's real shit. This is where on the podcast. Dear white people, <laughs> this is my comment to you and I'm coming with a heartfelt um, statement stop fucking calling the police they are not your customer service they are not there to call because a child took a bike that is something you could do on your own I don't know whether it's something that um, is in, inherently within um, white people to believe that everything should be done for them but there was nothing. If you could follow this child to the house and take pictures, what was wrong with you going five extra feet and knocking on a damn door? Yeah. Like, 911 is not a customer service. There's no, I would speak to your manager. That 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 work there. And when you do this, and keep this in mind, because you know, and I know y'all know better, because you know the interaction between people of color and police. So when you're doing that, you're actually putting that person's life in jeopardy. So stop it. And if, like, I really would, like, I will come through this podcast and grab you and say, stop it. (laughs) Do better. I'm not playing with y'all. I'm tired. I would like to have a day to be lazy. I want to have a day where I could just walk outside and not worry about 
Chad and Becky call the cops on me. I would like to be able to let my kids go outside and not worry about um, Chad, Becky, Mortimer, and Randolph thinking my kid is some type of um, yes, I said Mortimer and Randolph, <laughs> and I think my child is some type of um, deviant because all they see is his afro and his skin. Like, stop it, people. Like, we love our kids. We love our families, too. Like, just don't do it. If, like, if you have the need to call 911, stop yourself. Drink some pumpkin spice latte or some Thai tea, whatever, whatever the hell y'all drink. I don't know. Um, have a bowl of, um, what, what is that? A whole, what, I don't know what y'all doing now. Like, book some collard greens with raisins in it. Um, whatever the hell y'all, um, whatever, whatever the hell you need to calm down. And stop for a second and think, is me calling 911 actually the best step for this? Is there a way where I can handle the situation without putting anybody in harm's way? Because you're literally putting people's lives in jeopardy. Sincerely, Siobhan. And actually, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of racial justice organizations that give de-escalization trainings. Like, go. Go to a de-escalization workshop. Just go. And they will teach you alternative methods. But the fact of the matter is, there would be no police if there were no slave catchers. Police are the grandchildren of slave catchers. You are calling slave catchers. Like, shameless plug. Okay, hold up. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. If you you want um, any information about like de-escalation and anti-racism training. Um, Shannon, we got the website up yet? No, we don't got the website up yet, but um, we'll find a way. Shameless plug, shameless plug. We, we do, do plug workshops. We're definitely right now putting together workshops and trainings for topics like that. Um, but people could just get in contact with us through the BLM New Jersey page at the moment. Um mm-hmm. And also through the Trenton Committee page, there's a Facebook page at the ends. We could give out links and all of that. And we can it's start building different. workshops based yes. on need. Like, tell us yeah. what you want to know, and yeah. we'll build a workshop around it. Yeah. Because, honestly, like, it's getting out of control. Yeah. So, yeah. like, people are going to jail. You know what? My son never had police contact before he went to college. He went to college because... The white people said that that's what he was supposed to do, right? So he graduated high school and he went to college. He got a bachelor's degree and he came home. He bought a car because you need a car to work. And ever since he has been a black man behind the wheel of a car in Monmouth County, he has racked up points on his license. He has been pulled over for lights that weren't out. He has been to the county jail because of traffic violations. And we have paid thousands of dollars keeping him out of jail for traffic violations. Just because he's the black man behind the wheel of a nice car. And obviously he's a drug dealer, not a 25-year-old with a bachelor's degree who is a community organizer Mm -hmm. for his job. Like, he's not even... He's organizing high school kids against charter schools. Like, he's the the model citizen for real and is still getting pulled out of his car and thrown on his face in the dirt because he has a nice car and he's black. So, obviously, Mm -hmm. obviously, he's a drug dealer because he's in Monmouth County. And it's all of the notorious 
police stations in this area that people call the KKK and the Gestapo. <laughs> they I, run, they I, run I, up ducks and eggs <laughs> every time. <laughs> like, so, like, they the fucking Gestapo. They like, don't shit. round up your geese anymore. The geese. They used to round up the geese. We had a problem with Canadian geese. We used to have a large amount of Canadian geese, and the solution to the Canadian geese was to round them up and put them in trucks and euthanize them. Wow. We no longer do that because the white lady saved the geese. They let the Negroes die, but they saved yeah. the geese. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No. <laughs> Javon said, no way. Yes, Javon. <laughs> <laughs> they still got paddy wagons for the Negro children, but they oh, no longer. But the geese are safe. Oh, <laughs> podcast people, if y'all can see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they have deported hundreds of Latino and, and, uh, and Haitian yeah um it's another thing where um because because white people like to have a lot of foolishness we never get a break so uh, another issue is um i know it's kind of sidetracking a little bit but um patricia is the the black woman from the congo that climbed the statue of liberty she has a court appearance august 3rd she's another court appearance i thought yeah um they released her after she got um they released her after she got arrested. And matter of fact, it's nothing for you, a rise and resist people. Why the fuck did y'all leave her by herself for four fucking hours? Y'all left her alone. And then the reason, the thing is, she didn't understand what was going on because she didn't have social media. So she didn't know that it was black people and black, mainly black women. They was like, yo, what the fuck are y'all doing? Get there. Get her an attorney. But um, I digress. But... um. But no, that's a great example of being a shitty ally is they this are. woman that climbed this thing and they're like, we don't even know who she is at first. They didn't, they knew exactly who she was. They, they came together. Yeah. They protected themselves instead of her. Yeah. And they left and she was the one for four hours by herself. They, and they left, they left her by herself. And now when they see, and you see it on the TV and whatnot, you see like a lot of white people like, oh, she's a hero. She's Wonder Woman, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of us black women was like, Lord Jesus, keep this camera on her so these cops don't push her off the statue and try to say that she fell. Like, and then when she went to jail, like, please don't let happen. What happened to Sarah Bland happened to this woman. And what people don't understand the gravity of what she did is she's a naturalized citizen because her getting arrested they can revoke that and she can be sent to the Congo. So, like, um, in Manhattan, there's nothing I will post on the um, BLM page. And she has a court day on August 3rd, August 3rd. And if anybody can go to support her, she would like the support. She needs the support. Yeah, can you make sure you get me all those details, too, so I can post links to everything in the show notes? and. Yeah. You know, that's very important. Um, also, if you wanted to post anything to your, I know you have a PayPal account, Siobhan. Um, if you wanted, you know, there's a point in time in the show where I usually ask for donations for the show. I'm going to skip that one and just say, you know, if you want to post any of the, your donation sites, feel free to. I have pay, PayPal, Square Cash, Venmo. There ain't no excuse. I, I take it through Facebook, too. We'll um, send all fact, of them. We'll send all yes. the donation sites because we all yes. work from doing this work. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then it's like, if they actually want to be um, co-conspirators and they want to help, like, 
Sometimes the only thing you can do is donate money so we have the means and resources yes, to help. Travel so I could get to Vineland. <laughs> like, right, so we, we can't even mobile. get there. Because we right. Like, like, we literally can't get to some of the protests because yeah. like, we're bu- we're bougie on a budget. We can't we can't be balling out like that. Yeah. And like sometimes like I know a lot of co-conspirators would like to show up, and there's times like we want you to show up and all that. But there's also the daily things we do. It's not just one big rally. It's the things we do daily to improve our communities that we need help for. Like there's times like we are trying to um fundraise um get money to get um a hair expo going we're trying to raise money to get community barbecues going where we also register voters because if you register to vote you can sign petitions so these are the things that um if somebody really wants to be a co-conspirator and they can do that they can help donate and this will help us get things done for our communities and if you're going to be a white savior i will ask that you stay home and put your head under the blankets and just stay there for a while because understand granted having um co-conspirators is great but understand that we don't need you we can do this on our own we're not helpless just because we don't exactly have those means does not mean we're incapable of doing it so but if you say if we're to be there don't do it for the cookies because i'm not giving you no cookies and and keep in mind that the reason that we don't have the means is because of the systemic issues that yes. were put in place by the racism that we're fighting in the first. Right. Systemic <laughs> right. poverty, generational poverty. Right. So, so just pay the money yeah. and let us do the work because we can do the work. Yeah. We have all we have all of the work. So like, pay us to do the work and we'll get the work done. That's not even That's an not issue. Because we get done without the money anyway. And lawyers are expensive. Like one of the most one of the biggest requests I get when people hear that I'm Black Lives Matter. Mo- most of the time people are like so what do I do about this and I'm like oh you need a lawyer we <laughs> 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 don't have funds for <laughs> we need lawyers anybody that's a lawyer that wants to volunteer some time like people get locked up for literally and therapists and anybody that's a therapist and therapist that can donate time that would be great because um we're gonna try to raise money because LaShonda's fa- ch- um, children and family, LaShawn's family, they're 10 and 12 years old. They're going to need therapy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And black women therapists. Like, we need yes. women therapists yeah. to, like, to, to show up for our communities. And it's not that they don't want to show up for our communities. It's that there are less black women therapists. And they're just not in the places that we need them to be, right? People don't have... Uh, transportation and people don't have insurance and therapy is expensive so there's a lot of barriers to that and sitting and talking to a white woman is not only intimidating but not a thing right yeah. for a lot of people it's oh, not can a I, thing. oh my god can i talk yeah. to a white woman i'm yeah, saying about this girl let me tell you the first time <laughs> when i went to therapy my ther- they gave me a white woman therapist right out of college tell me why i ended up doing emotional labor for my fucking therapist that's the shit that i'm talking about because then they they, like there's this thing you just don't know enough because even people who go to school to be taught therapy like are not taught it in an intersectional way because you don't understand you need to be able to understand systemic racism and generational poverty to really understand the depression that results from that with black people because it's stressful being poor you don't have money to take care of yourself 
with your pool. You and know especially when you're talking to a woman who's doing movement work, right? So if I'm doing yeah. movement work, I'm going to talk about that in therapy. Yeah. So even if she does understand all of that trauma, yeah. she feels guilty when she hears that I'm doing movement work and there's nothing that she can mm-hmm. do. Now that she feels guilty, I have to do she can get free labor to make her feel better about her circumstances and the fact that she's coming from privilege and has none of this. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Like, yeah. please send black women therapists. I don't know where we're going to get them from. Uh, maybe I need to finish school. I don't know what. Did somebody send me money so I can go back to school? Yeah, I'm I about to be a lawyer. Bachelor's degree. I had yeah. to leave. I had my kids. Siobhan wants to go back to school. <laughs> Jen wants to go back to school. I'm in school. We all need. School. I want to I I be a lawyer. I think I, I think I will be a good lawyer though. I think you could too. That's also a thing funding black education because shit, you trying to be self sufficient. Right. I had to. I had to leave school, and I I don't have the option mm-hmm. of getting financial aid anymore. Because I had to leave school so many times because mm-hmm. I had young kids, so it's mm-hmm. not and because of life. Like it's hard being black and in school. That right. shit is hard. So fund us, <laughs> like because <laughs> I would love to go back to school. I had to stop going to school because I have sickle cell, and then I had my two kids right behind it, so I couldn't finish. But I would love to go back to school, and and this thing is is not just us itself. It's, this is a whole plethora of black women who have the capacity to go to college and succeed but just don't have the means and have the life experiences to be able to like critically like understand and deconstruct the material that they're going to learn in college because you have just that much life experience that helps you like understand it better but so many people like you know have low self-esteem about going back to college because it's not associated with is not supposed to be seen as or maybe I should run for office I think you should I absolutely think you should I think white folks are ready for me what y'all think I'm going to be a Trent resident just so yeah. I can vote for you but what I'm doing is run for office they've already asked me to run for office they tried yeah, to but that's another thing oh, um, something that <laughs> co- uh, co could do also it could be since I noticed a lot of these local grassroots organization they just got into activism because of the trump election mm-hmm. and i would like to tell them like y'all just got here we've been here mm-hmm. so um and they need to understand race does play a part in politics um there's been a few grassroots um organizations i'm not gonna um put them on blast quite yet but trust me they keep it up i will but they would, um, when we try to tell them about issues based on marginalized communities, they didn't think it's important, but they felt that they are deserving of the black vote, but they don't want to help with the issues. Um, and these are not even, these are coming from liberal white people. And yes, podcast, I'm rolling my eyes when I said it. Because <laughs> this, there's actually one, she was claimed she was such, she was an ally and she was just down for the cause until she found out, well, well, why can't we just go to the black neighborhoods? I was like, you're a 60-something old white lady. You come to my door, I'm not even open it because I don't know who you are. You might be Jehovah's Witness. You might be somebody, I, I'm bill collector. I don't know who the fuck you are. I'm not going to open my door for you. But she actually believed that getting Trump out of office was more important than my life. 
that was more important than my kid's life, more important than my community's life. And that's a problem with these liberal and these grassroots organizations. They have to understand I cannot be black Monday, woman on Tuesday, black on Wednesday. And they have to understand that intersectionality does not stop when it's convenient for them. That's not being intersectional at all. Um, but I just had to bring that little side because that just that just hurt me because like people that are supposed to be liberals and if you understand and Democrats and all that, you guys are supposed to be the oasis and a whole sea of shit for people people of color and you behaving like that, you're no different than the Republicans. I, I see no difference now. And when people go to vote, they're like, well, you got to vote your conscience and all the bullshit. When y'all vote, y'all vote y'all way. That's fine. But when a lot of black people vote is for who's going to fuck us over a little less, who's going to gentrify my area a little slower, who's going to um, at least extend my food stamps so I can f- feed my kids a little longer. So it's like, when we go to vote, it's a whole different aspect to it. And they believe that they know better. So, like, I wanted to put this out there because um, there's going to be some grassroots organizations that's going to be out canvassing. And they're going to be coming into these marginalized communities. And they need to understand that, first and foremost, um, if you don't have black people or people of color to go into those communities, your group has a problem. It, it might either. Nobody's going to talk to you. Nobody's going to open the door for you. And how about why would I trust a group that isn't intersectional? If you're not intersectional, yeah. what, what are you doing? What are your values? What does that look like? Because you honestly look very similar to the people that call the cops on us. You don't, you don't <laughs> look similar. Similar. You are those people. It's not even, it's not even that, that you was, look like those people. Crazy. You are those people <laughs> because why isn't your group intersectional? It's if the Miss Millie syndrome. Right. If you're not carrying intersectionality, if, if you're not living intersectionality, if you're not coming to my door as an intersectional group, right? If all you got is white dudes on your team, if all you have is white women on your team, if you don't have an intersectional group of people, then you're not living what you're talking Get away from my fucking door. Why are you here? And don't tokenize people of color. Like, recruit them. Thank you. Put them in leadership positions. Don't just, you know, right. recruit one or two people just so you can look like... Don't come to... Don't call BLM because you need black door knockers. Yeah, I'm don't sorry. do that shit. Can I say <laughs> that again? Don't call BLM because you need black door knockers. <laughs> no, sis, they tried that. They actually they tried, tried it. all the fucking time. Don't call BLM black door knockers. I'm not your black door knocker. If they if they have the nose by now, they know I ain't gonna bite my tongue for shit and for nobody. Like, that's just that just irks. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> I'm not and I'm not about to bite my tongue for nobody because I spent. I like honestly because it's a personal thing for me because I spent most of my life being as a dark skinned uh, girl that had two strikes against me, against me, so I had to bite my tongue. I had to walk a certain way. I had to talk a certain way. And it wasn't until after I got grown when I realized, like, why the fuck am I catering myself to people that don't give a damn about me? And it seems like the only time they listen is when I'm like, fuck you, you're trash. They hear that. But when I say, I'm sorry, but what you're doing is harmful, and this is why it's harmful. Right, right, I, right. They don't want to listen. But when I'm like, you're a fucking piece of shit. You're trash. You're garbage. Do better. 
They want to hear that. And then all of a sudden, I'm an angry black woman and I'm the bully. They want to vilify me. If that's if they want to vilify me, that's fine. I don't give a damn. This is Siobhan, and I don't give a fuck. But what's going to happen is they're going to start noticing that um, black people and people of color are going to start self-segregating because they don't want to deal with that bullshit. Yes. Because that's just the cultural difference, too. Like, we just not... And we Jersey, so you know how Jersey get down any damn way. Like, come on. All right. I think we're about running out of time. Does anybody want to have the final word tonight? Oh, I, I do. I want to tell um, the fact that on June 19th, there was um, a shooting in Trenton at the Art All Night um, yearly art event that's held in Trenton, right? So... I wanted to talk about that because that's an issue that's really affecting people from Trenton right now because that is this shooting is going to lead to hyper policing and what is it what de facto what is actually fact basically de facto martial law has been employed in Trenton since that shooting and that is like the epitome of like the intersection of the media how the media portrayed the whole thing because they wanted to blame um, all the people who were harmed, it was at least up to like 29 people who were injured by gunfire. However, the Trenton police were firing into the crowd of people who were in the gallery who were trying to run away from the active shooter. And it's not a clear, it's not a distinction between like which bullets were bullets fired by police and which ones were fired by the active shooter. The majority, logistically speaking, because of how the gallery is made, the direction everybody's running in, in the direction in which the police came in, according to witnesses who were there who got shot at, people are trying to run out and the police come in shooting and like people are running and just watching people drop like flies around them and that goes into the like the psychology aspect of us needing black psychologists to talk to to deal with the trauma of literally being surrounded by death on a daily basis and then getting blamed for it in the media and that's another issue that we as black people will have to discuss within our own community about how mass media narratives of ourselves impact our self-esteem and our own analysis of our own oppression because there needs to be a distinction between uh, gaining your analysis of like your own human condition based off media that's owned by our oppressors versus having your own analysis based off of your own research and understanding plus your individual experience. So having a micro understanding, like individual understanding and a collective macro understanding of the black experience. Because this is something that like, we really need to talk about because there's no reason why a 32-year-old man ends up dead being shot by police in an event where police were apparently trying to get an active shooter. Like, why, you know, once again, and this, and like, I'm considered amongst the youth in Trenton, like, this is really just a tired-ass narrative that, like, we've had told to us forever now you know like this this is what causes states state sanctioned violence is when people decide to gentrify white people come in then there's a heavier police presence at these events and they're already waiting for shit to happen they're already you know instigating shit to happen and then just have a reason to let off bullets and shoot at black people 
and then black people have to bear the brunt of that. It's people right now who got bullets lodged in their body and they don't know. They can't hold police accountable because they can't get the bullet out to see if the bullet came from a police firearm. But everybody know what really happened. Because the next day, everybody in Trent was talking about this because everybody know the truth. Everybody knows. You know what I'm saying? That's... We really need to talk about that. But that's just something I wanted to make sure that um, I got a chance to speak on, on the podcast because it's literally, it's martial law. Right. There's a corrupt-ass mayoral election with um, our mayor-elect is Reed, whatever. Oh. Yeah, so, like, there's a lot of things that's happening. So, like, people watching this, excuse me, listening to this podcast, you know, really stay tuned to what's going on in the Capitol because... There's gun. There's like more harsh gun laws being um, reintroduced by the mayor elect in conjunction with the um, gun bills that Phil Murphy don't already sign. Well, proposed right. to Senate. When, I mean, when you talk about state-sanctioned racial violence, those are the kinds of things we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? So when you say state-sanctioned racial violence, it is the state specifically using violent situations right a situation where violence has occurred to impose a police state over a specific race of people and it's always black people because Mm. people already believe that black people are more violent and white people use that as an excuse to call the police on black people that is state sanctioned racial violence and it means that my son is not safe walking down the street right so Siobhan's son is not mm-hmm. safe walking outside her house like the kid walks to writing right if, if if you walk to the store if my daughter walks to the store and takes 20 minutes it crosses my mind every single time that it really only should take about 19 minutes right and I shouldn't have to stress that it that it's taken an extra minute now and I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking and I'm wondering and should I be a pain in the ass mom and text even though she's 21 <laughs> but that's my life right that's state sanctioned racial violence the state is imposing violence based on race that is violence and it's real any white people especially white gentrifiers participate in this and need to stop Right. Especially the fact that gentrifiers in general are progressive liberals. Mm-hmm. Like so don't craft beer drinking, motherfuckers. coffee brewing, <laughs> progressive liberals that believe themselves to be the good white people and want to be on my squad. Like, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many emails I got for people that wanted to be a part of BLM. Like, mm-hmm. that's the fact that Black Lives Matter is a collective of black people. And it says that on the website, like we are a collective of black people, but like white people who are well-intended, I guess, that want to be be members of Black Lives Matter, but still call the cops on black people because they're in the way, because they talk too loud, because they're parked on the corner for too long, because... When in reality, white people take up so much fucking space. Oh, it's my ridiculous. God. On the fucking <laughs> sidewalk, to the street, to the every fucking weird. Just take up all this space. Right, but there's a general belief that all of the space belongs to them. Yes. 
right? And because all of this space belongs to them, they can call the police and tell the police that these people are in our space. That is state-sanctioned racial violence. And um, the last thing I want to say is, yeah, I was cracking jokes through the whole time, but I just want to let the people that's listening know that my life is more important than a voter ballot. My son's life is more important than a voter ballot or getting someone out of office. Because even if he's out of office, nothing's going to change for us. Like, we, all we're asking is for people to be decent fucking human beings and show empathy. That doesn't have to affect you personally for you to give a damn about something. You might, you like, you would probably never meet me. You'll probably never meet my son. But look at it as if, if this was happening to your family. If this was happening to your children, to your aunts, to your brothers, your aunt, your sisters, you will be up in arms. And the thing is, and you allowing this, you guys can sit there and condemn all these other countries for doing the same shit that y'all doing to us. So I'm saying is like, um, this I'm speaking directly from my heart. Like my ancestors are telling me I need to tell y'all this. So I'm going to tell y'all this. Like y'all need to stop being so self-centered even if you hear i say white people it doesn't necessarily mean you no caring you're not that special where we're putting you out specifically but the thing is i care about my kids i care about my grandkids and not only my kids i care about all the kids in my neighborhood i care about all the kids in my state i care about all the kids in these countries now but the thing is like something as far as dismantling the systemic racism and ra and racism, you guys got to do y'all part. You can sit there and say, oh, that's wrong. And they should talk to you like that. But then sit there and let your uncle do it, do it at the dinner table. No, say uncle, what's your uncle Fester, whatever the hell your name is. That's wrong because what, every action that you do, it causes a ripple effect and that effect. And you never, you never know that one Thing that you might have stood up for, saying that's never know, that, never know, that, never know, that, one, that would save my child's life. That would so save what, my child's that's life. That's what I want to get out to people to, under, to understand. That's what I want to get out to people to under, understand. Absolutely, mm -hmm. those everyday conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, don't let that slip. You don't let those everyday conversations mm -hmm. slip because that person's that's person the conversation. learning process. Absolutely. Learn, you learn every day, so and it only happens by regularly exercising a new way of thinking by regularly having somebody to check you. These problematic shit, so that you can point it out. You can notice the pat the, the psychological pattern that you are like, you know. In while you're saying doing this subconsciously, doing that subconsciously, right? I'm you always, need somebody to point it out to you and be like, "That was fucking racist." I'm always looking. Why? Like, okay, that's <laughs> the way you should fucking react. You're like, okay, thank you. I'm always looking on next door for like the one interrupter, and I can always see the un in the one interrupter because they've been to one of my trainings. <laughs> but like, there'll be a thread of like 35 people, and somebody will be like, "Oh well, there's this." this house on my block and they have a dog that's on the porch and the dog is on the porch every day. And you have no idea what the circumstances are around that dog sitting on the porch every day, but everybody on the thread is like, Oh, you should call the ASPCA. You should call the humane society. You should call the police. You should call the shift commander. You should call white people always want to fucking call somebody. Like they have to call somebody. You have to call somebody. And it, it is a disruption of a person's life, right? If that is a house that contains people of color, you are disrupting their life and you are putting lives in danger, period. If you are calling the police, you are putting lives in danger. Now, 
the disruptor comes in and says, for all you know, that dog is on that porch with a dog bed, a bowl of food and a bowl of water and is perfectly happy. You don't know what's happening on that porch. Does the dog seem unhappy? Is the dog tied up? Like, is, is the dog okay? You don't know this. Knock on the neighbor's door and talk to the dog. That's the disruption. And coming to a training changes that whole way of thinking. Look, for racial justice trainings, they're everywhere. BLM is holding them everywhere. We're doing yes. Pay us to teach you, if that's the case. If you really yeah. don't know, pay us to teach you. Oh, one, more, one more thing my fault to cut y'all off but um one thing i would i do want to talk about say real quick is the fact that um that white people need to let go of this notion is they rather they're more afraid of being called racist than doing than actually doing racist shit and they need to understand is you're gonna fuck up everybody fucks up and that's okay we expect you to fuck up. It's what you do after that defines who you are. Are you going to get, okay, I fucked up. Let me sit with this. Let me learn and grow with this. Or I fucked up. Now I'm going to be defensive and start at throwing ad hominems and start insulting people that call me out. And there's, like, there's a different thing for racism. It's a spectrum. There's not just, oh, I'm liberal and I love everybody to the grand wizard of the KKK. There is things in between it and you will fall in between those things so the main thing to understand is don't take it personally you fuck up learn from it grow and try not to cause any more harm because and please stop the white tears because actually the white tears is like one of the leading causes of black death and Uh like that needs to stop but I'm sorry. Go ahead. On that note, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll you know probably close it out on that note. But it's been thank you guys so much for this. Like I cannot thank you enough for being here and what you said. And you know I will get every send me everything you need for the show notes, and I'll make sure it goes all goes up. It's probably going to go up on Monday. Anything mm-hmm. in the future you want to talk about? I'm here. You know, just let me know what you need. I cannot thank you enough for being here tonight. Thank you.